life in the far country. We have in this remarkable portion of God's word, this 15th chapter of Luke's gospel, three very well-known parables. The first, of course, is the parable of the lost sheep. The next one is the parable of the lost coin, or some say the lost silver. And then we have the longest parable. It's a parable that focuses on an individual, focuses on a son. That's the parable of the lost son. Of course, when you think about this parable carefully and closely, it's really the parable of a loving father. But let's think about the lost son this morning because that's what I want to talk to you about. So these three things that we read of in Luke chapter 15 were lost and then they were found, they were recovered and they all were restored. And the verses that I've read to you this morning focuses on life in the far country for this young man and how God in his infinite grace intervened to turn the situation around. It's sad at the beginning, but it's a good story the way it ends because the prodigal son returns home, turns back to his father. He's welcome there, and the story of of this young man comes to a good conclusion. You think in the first place about his decision. Well, what was his decision? He made up his mind that he was leaving home. So he decided to leave the father's house. He had become weary with life under his father in the father's house. He had been tired of the interference of his father in his own life. He looked out of the front window or the front door and he thought to himself, there's more excitement out there in the far country. I can have a wee bit of fun out there. I'm tired with these restraints. It looks more exciting out there. His affections were now set on other things, namely goods, because when it came to his father in this way of thought, he said, give me the goods that follow to me. Now, he couldn't carry goods. He couldn't carry an estate. He couldn't carry buildings away to the far country. And so he needed to turn those goods into money. He needed to turn that estate that was, he was entitled to into money. And so he sets off down the lane and he has money in his money bag. There's nothing to hold him back now. His whole focus had changed. He therefore turned his back on the father's house. He wanted his inheritance. He asked for the goods. He wanted his independence. He took his journey into the far country. I don't know how long he'd been thinking about this. It may have been a short time. It may have been a longer time. But the time came and he made up his mind, I'm getting out of here. I'm going to have some fun in life. I'm tired of all these restrictions in my father's house. There may be someone here and that is exactly your thought this morning. 
You could be a young person or you could be an older person. It's the same idea, same thought, same attitude. That's the way you feel this morning in the house of God. Maybe you have made a decision or maybe you intend to make a decision in the not too distant future. Then what about his destination? Where was he going to go? Well, the far country was as good a place as any. He wanted to put distance between his father's house, between himself and his father, and his family, and his friends. He wanted to go somewhere where nobody knew anything about his background, about his history, who he was, what kind of home he had grown up in. He didn't want anybody to know anything about him. So he moved out. He left the area, and he arrived in the far country. We're not told how long the journey took, or where he moved to, or how far away it was from his father's house. We know when Jacob left his father's house to flee from Esau, he traveled a few hundred miles uh, to Haran to be there with his uncle. So he moved away some considerable distance. But he burned his bridges behind him. Going down the lane, he said, I'm free. I'm not coming back here again. Let's have some fun. We can see in this young man uh, something that has happened in the lives of so many people over the years. You know these kind of people. I know these kind of people. We all know them. It's happened to so many. At that particular point of time, he never thought about what he would meet in the far country. He never realized the misery that one day would come into his life as he left the home that day. Then we think about his decline. The Bible tells us in verse 13 that he wasted his substance with riotous living. He wanted to enjoy life, but instead he began to experience loss. That word waste means to scatter abroad, to disperse, to winnow. It's the origin of the phrase to cast to the wind. And it carries the idea of making it fly in every direction. My, he was going to have a real ball. When he arrived in the far country, I've arrived in a place I've lost it for a long, for, for a long time. This is it. This is life. This is the way it ought to be. No restrictions. Plenty of people here to enjoy my money with. And the term prodigal means wasteful. Living for self is a waste. He carelessly and foolishly threw away his money. And the word riotous that is used here means spendthrift manner. And I do believe that when he went to the far country, not only did he lose his money, he lost his respectability. He squandered his inheritance. The father had worked hard for it. He shared a third with the younger son, two-thirds the older one. Uh, he became reckless and uh, full of abandonment in his life. Riotous living. It refers to a life totally given over to sinfulness and wickedness. So he wanted this freedom. And so he set off. When he left home, he left behind moral restraints. He left to gratify every desire of the flesh. The question can be asked, did he have a good time? The answer has got to be yes. He did have a good time in the world. 
He did have a good time spending his money. He did have a good time wherever he went to, whoever he spent his time with. Yes, but it only lasted for a season. The seasons of life change, and when they do, that which brought pleasure will ultimately bring pain instead because the wages of sin is death. So here we have this young man. He made his decision. His destination was the far country. His decline. He wasted his substance with riotous living. But as the story reveals, the prodigal was brought low. He was brought low. Sin will bring you down. Sin will bring you to a low place in your experience. Some people never recover from it. Never get back to where they once were. Having indulged his desires in the far country, he soon exhausted his inheritance and the Bible says he spent all. And that word spent is allied to a word which means to devour. Expenses, the expenses of living in the far country eats up one's financial resources. When he went to the far country, he didn't open a money market account in the Ulster Bank of that country. He squandered it. In other words, he blew it all. Then, when his finances were gone, the Bible says, then there arose a mighty famine in the land, verse 14. It wasn't just a famine. It was a mighty famine. The storm that God sent when Jonah was fleeing from him turned out to be a great storm. So when God wants to teach us a lesson, it's not just a famine that comes, it's a mighty famine. When he wants to correct us, it's not just a storm he sends into a person's life, it's a great storm. We all have experienced this, those of us who know the Lord who from time to time grow cold at heart and lose out with God. We know how God has dealt with us in the past so we can speak from experience to those who may never have experienced this. When you start to descend that hell, that path, there's no telling what will uh, be met along the pathway. Heartbreaking experiences, broken hearts, broken lives, tormented souls, Suicides, broken families, drug addiction, alcohol abuse, sexual perversion. Who can tell? Only by the grace of God. Only by the grace of God has kept us. There go I, but for the grace of God. Food prices escalated. I think we can identify with that particular point. It was the worst time to run out of funds. And the Bible says he began to be in want. He has no finances. They're gone. He squandered them. He has no food. The word that is used here for husks is only found here in the New Testament and refers to the pods of the carrot tree. He lusted for the husks that the swine did eat. And then he had no friends because no man gave to him. So his finances are gone, his uh, food is gone, his friends are gone. He's really now in a mess. He was down and out. 
And sometimes on the news we see people there in these big uh, uh, cities lying out with their sleeping bag in the streets. Sad, isn't it? You see that happening in Belfast as well. Hands out, looking for something. This is what happened to this young man. From a good home, good family background. He had everything that he could have wanted in the home. But now he's down and out. So he goes from being a privileged son to be a poor servant. He began to be in want. This was just the beginning. This was not the end. This was just the beginning. Things did get worse. The word want is uh, translated short in Romans uh, 3.23. We've come short of the glory of God. So he started, he began to become short. He had no longer enough to continue indulging his sinful appetites. Had big dreams. What a come down now. The far country, no money, no friends, no family, no food. He's in a mess. This is the far country. This is what he envisaged, was it? No, he didn't envisage this. He wanted to find some fun. He wanted to be like everybody else. I want to be at the center of things. Let me get out of this place. This is too straight for me. He had big dreams. But he didn't expect to end up this way. Elimelech and Naomi, we know the story from the book of Ruth. They thought Moab was the right place to go to when a famine came to the land of Israel. And so they packed up, they took things with them, of course, and they moved to sojourn in the land of Moab, but they remained there 10 years. Were were, were, were these good years? No, not at all. Maybe at the start. But the first thing happened, Naomi's husband died. The two sons married two Moabitish girls, forbidden by the law of God. Two sons died as well. Was it a happy time for Naomi in the land of Moab? It was a land of deaths, a land of funerals, a land of graves. She testified later on, I went out full. Oh, I was foolish, but I went out full. And then when she came home, she says, I'm home empty. Do you see that? Here's this young man. He goes out full. He's got his money bag with him. He's got the best clothing that's available to buy. He's got high aspirations and dreams. It's going to be wonderful in the far country. But he's now down and out. He's a slave. He's a servant. All things never We're meant to turn out like this. Remember Naomi? Remember the sad situation she found herself in? How empty is every place outside of Christ? You can have a room full of friends. You can have as much money as you can work with. But if you haven't got Jesus Christ, you'll still be empty. And you'll still be void. And you'll still have to contend with all the miserable things of this life. All the heartaches and everything else that everybody else has got to contend with. At the end of a Christless life, go into a Christless eternity, damned forever, lost forever. 
perishing, never going out of existence, but there's mercy with God. Hallelujah. As this story clearly shows. There are 13 famines, I think, mentioned in the Bible. And they're all significant. And this particular famine was providential. And it's timing. And at the same time, it's terror. God sends circumstances like this into our lives to drive us to himself. And so the Lord, in his sovereign grace, had his eye upon this prodigal. Let that sink in. The eye of God is upon the prodigal son, the prodigal daughter. Whatever the situation may be, the eye of God is upon the prodigal. He knows exactly where you're at and what you're trying to do, what you're trying to achieve in this life, what you want in this life. But let me tell you something. There's a life beyond the grave. Heaven or hell. Heaven, you will experience the bliss of knowing the Lord God omnipotent forever in the presence of Christ and the holy angels and all the redeemed of all ages. But then, on the other hand, the other side of the coin, if you die unrepentant out of Christ, you'll be cast into the blackness of the darkness of hell forever to be with every criminal, every lewd person, every liar, every murderer, every deceiver, Whoever lived and died out of Christ in an awful place of torment in God's prison forever. Now you think about it. Think about the privilege you have here. Sitting under the means of grace. It may begin in one year and out the other year, but you take note of this. Because God one day will bring this message back to your mind. Don't forget that. God knows what you're thinking right now. He knows the attitudes you have been adopting. This young man lost everything. Humanly speaking, he lost everything. Some people in Ukraine have lost everything. Some people in Florida, I know most of those places that were affected along that coastline, spent time there, beautiful places. Watching the scenes, it's hard to take it in. Walking down those streets that are now under two or three feet of water. Those beautiful places. Millionaires live there, been there, enjoyed that. Times of vacation. People there have lost everything. You can lose everything. But the most important thing that you can lose is your soul. You can lose a house, a car, your finances, and survive. But when you lose your soul, it's gone forever. No way back. No way that soul can be retrieved. Gone forever. Damn forever. Oh, listen to me today. Hearken to what I'm saying. I haven't made this up. There's something that God has given to preach this day. The most expensive thing in the world is to try to live apart from God. He never intended feeding the pigs. He never thought he would eat the slop given to the pigs. But it seems that he did. What a come down. The prodigal was brought low. But then the prodigal was brought back. This is a good part of the story. The prodigal was brought back. This manifests the grace of God, the love of a Savior, the compassion of the Creator God, the God of redemption. 
This is how God deals with men in grace. This is a marvel. This is God's grace. This is how God dealt with you. We as the people of God ought to be thankful today. Oh, we can complain about the weather. Sometimes it's too cold. Oh, it's cold today. The next day the sun's out. It's too hot. We always find something to complain about. I'm beginning here in the pulpit, of course. You understand that. We can complain about this and that and our thing. But we're a privileged people. We are a privileged people. Think about the years of freedom that we've enjoyed to worship God, come to this church for 65 years. I'm not saying that you all are over 65 years or were here when the church opened, but 65 years of gospel preaching here, 40 years in a new building like this. Think about the buildings we have now in our congregations. God has been good. Think about the missionaries that we've sent forth to different parts of the world. They would need to start sending missionaries to Northern Ireland to bring the gospel message there. We seem to have lost that zeal, that fire for God. And if we don't appreciate what God has given to us, the Lord might just take it away. That's the way to look at it. There's no room for complacency. There's no room for pride. It's only the mercy of God that can save us and intervene in our land and do anything good in our churches, Sunday school work, young people's work, open air work. It's only God can give the increase. We can't do anything in and of ourselves. It's God's grace and God's mercy. When he came to himself, this is very striking language that is used here. It indicates that he had been living in a kind of a fantasy. His thinking and his behavior were entirely irrational. He was living in a dream world. This world is a place alien to God and God's truth. This is a horrible place to be because of its sin and wretchedness and miserableness. This is a sinful world. And so his reasoning was irrational. And when it says he came to himself, it's implying to this that prior to this, he had been beside himself in sin. He wasn't thinking right. He wasn't thinking rationally about the situation, where his lifestyle was taking him to. When he came to himself, he realized something, that the hired servants of his father had enough and to spare. That's what he discovered when he came to himself. He realized the hired servants had bread enough and to spare. And he says, I perish, or as it is in the original, I am perishing here. So there's a contrast. He's perishing in the far country. The servants back in the father's house, oh, they've got bread enough and to spare. Things are well with them. They're, they're in uh, the, the service of the master. I'm here in the place I wanted to be, the far country. I didn't expect to be down here in my sin, so low down. I'm perishing here. He was talking to himself. Sometimes it's good to talk to yourself. He contrasted his past life with his present life. His eyes were open to the truth about himself. He saw himself as he really was. He was miserable. That's the truth of the matter. He was miserable. He took a good look at himself and did not like what he had become. You see, he wanted to get his freedom, whatever that means. He wanted to find himself, whatever that means. He wanted to be different. 
And you, you find people today, they want to be different from the norm. So they get their hair cut in a certain way. Get it all shaved up one side, whatever, whatever goes on. And then they dress with the, the modern kind of dress. I, I want to be like everybody else. But the truth of the matter is, when they do that, they end up like everybody else. Doing the same thing. I want to be different, but they end up the same. He wanted this freedom. But the Bible says, when the famine came, when he was brought low, he hired himself, he joined himself to a citizen of that country. And that word joined simply means glued. So he wanted his freedom, but now he's glued to the pigs. He's glued to the slop. He becomes a servant of a master, not his father. A man who sent him out into the fields to look after the swine. And as a Jew, this would have been a horrible thing for him to do. An unclean thing. This is where he's brought to, you see. So he wants his freedom. He wants to do what he wants to do. But now he's glued as a servant to a man who knows nothing about God and the riches of God's grace who gives him this task to do and doesn't even feed him properly. Oh, this man has moved up, has he? No. He's moved down. It's getting worse. It's getting worse. One day he came to his senses. He set out to find joy but found misery. He set out to find happiness but only found sorrow. He started out rich and he ended up poor. His pleasure turned into pain. He began to realize how foolish he really was. But he came to himself. This is the first step on his recovery back to the Father. Now in his extreme need he began to think. His mind was aroused to dwell in the Father's house. That's the first thing he thought about. The Father's house. He remembered the gracious provision in his Father's house. And the provision that had been made for the, the servants. This is the first kind thought that he had about the father since his rebellion. He remembered that his father was good. His father was gracious. His father was generous. A loving father. A gracious father. Who did everything that he did during this young man's life to make things better for the young man. And that young man turned away from a loving, gracious, good father in a state of rebellion. But now he's down feeding the swine. He's smelly. He's unshaven. His long hair, his clothes are in tatters. Oh, what a contrast. What a, a way down. What an experience this is. No friends, no finances, no food, no fellowship. And then he remembers the father. The father's house, there's bread enough and to spare. The unsatisfying husks made him think of the plentiful supply enjoyed in the father's house. He thought of those who had access to the father. Prior to this, he used the word father only once in verse 12, only in a legal sense, I suppose, 
when he came to him asking him to divide unto him his goods. No real love nor affection. I think it was very hard when he entered the presence of his father. I can almost hear in the tone of his voice just how he feels about the father. Father, give me the goods that belongs to me. I want to get out of here. Not very gracious at all. Not very gracious at all. But now he's thinking about his father in a different light, in a different way. And he says, I will arise and go to my father. This was a giant step forward. He made up his mind that day to have done with the old life, to go back to father back home. For him now it was the far country. And the Bible says in verse 20, he arose. His movement towards the Father. He left the far country. There may be someone here today and you're in the far country. It doesn't have to be 30 miles away or 50 miles or 100 miles away. It could be the next door, next house next door, or the street next to your street. You could be in the far country there. You need to get back to the Father's house. You need to turn away from sin. You need to turn away from those friends that are dragging you down. Those influences that are impressing deeply upon your heart in these times. The, the influence of the media, the influence of an ungodly world and society. Things are presented to be acceptable that God frowns upon. These are the things that ruin, destroy, divide, damn, ruin everything. Oh, they may seem appealing at the start. Gives you that little bit of kick, that little bit of excitement. Never had this before. Never experienced this before until it gets the grip of your life. And then you can't get free yourself. You're under the power of that particular thing. Uh, drugs or whatever it is or alcohol or gambling or pornography. You just can't shake yourself like Samson did and hope everything goes away. No, you can't get out once the grip is firmly around you. You just can't play with God. You can't play with sin. You can't play loose and dabble in these things and not get burned in the whole experience. Young lives have been ruined because of sin. Because of taking alcohol and ending up intoxicated, losing purity. That, that happens. And there are people out there to work on you. There are people out there to ruin you. To bring you down. To make conquests to their way of thinking. To get you to be the same as them. That will ruin you. That will damn you. It will take you down. He arose. He got up. He came to himself. When the prodigal left home he said give me. He wanted all the father had to give. But then when he returned home his vocabulary changed dramatically. He said father make me. Here's repentance, here's grace, here's God intervening in this life. His father was willing to receive him. Let me tell you today, it doesn't matter how far you've gone in sin. It doesn't matter what kind of person you've turned out to be today. Not the person you used to be, but you're cold and indifferent to the things of God. You don't read your Bible. You don't pray anymore. You don't attend church. You've lost your way completely, but there's mercy with God. Here we have the picture of the Father. If we could use him as an illustration pointing us to God the Father. He's waiting for the Son to return. I don't know how long he waited there. I don't know how long he stood there. Maybe with tears 
and this uh, eyes and uh, a heartbreak. I don't know how long I stood there ready to extend his, his arms of love and mercy to the young boy, but he was waiting for him. And he saw him in the distance in spite of his beard, in spite of the state that he was in. The father was there waiting, praying, longing for him to come. And there you can see the old man taking off. Don't know how old he was. He may have been a very aged man, but he's so glad to see the boy home. He runs to meet him. And that's the way our Heavenly Father runs towards sinners. He meets you more than halfway because he's merciful, because he desires to save the unlovely, the unholy, the ungodly, the wretched. He desires to liberate those who are bound by sin and wickedness and evil. He desires their freedom and their liberty. He wants to replace it with joy and peace and contentment by giving to them the promise of a home in heaven and glory and a life of joy to be lived to its full in Christ, serving him, living for him. Oh, I don't know how long you've been in sin, how many years you've wasted, but let me tell you something. The Lord can restore unto you the years that the locusts have eaten, and you can be used mightily in your latter days for the glory of God by pointing men to Christ, by relating your story of how God saved you and brought you to a knowledge of Christ. Yes, there's mercy with God, Let me emphasize that. Let me say it again. I make no apology for saying this. I keep on saying it. Jesus saves. And his blood makes us whiter than snow. He can change your life. He can make all things new. He can intervene in grace in your life. You may feel hopeless and helpless. It's not possible for you to become a Christian. But it is. Because all things are possible with God. And if you're a backslider, the same applies to you as well. You may not be living right at this point of time. You may have grown cold and indifferent. You're you're missing the prayer meetings. You miss your daily readings. You're not as found often in the house of God as you once were. That can be changed today, right now, where you sit in your pew. God can intervene and transform you as you sit. You can slip up to one of the elders today and say, Listen, brother... I get, I, I get back to the Lord in the meeting today. You can maybe come to me and say, I want to be pointed to Christ. You can do that today in this house. And it would be great joy to point you to the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Oh, the old father was there, waiting in the distance for the boy to come home. Can you imagine what it was like when that young boy, smelling as he did, looking the way he did, He probably remembered the last time he saw the father, what he had said to him and how he treated the father. But he's broken now. There's maybe tears in his eyes now. He's got a a heartbreak. He feels within what his father felt when he left and told him, I don't want to see you anymore. He just wants to be in his father's arms. I just want to get right with my father. I don't want this to continue any longer. I want to be right with my father. What a royal welcome he received. And you too will receive that kind of welcome. My time is gone. I've communion after this here this morning. The prodigal was brought low. The prodigal was brought back. And we just say briefly, the prodigal was brought in. He was brought in. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. 
the parable could well be described as a parable of the loving father. And you can see now the father says, get rid of those, those old filthy garments. The father's not going to receive them in this way. Get rid of the, 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 uh, the old garments. I have something better for you here. It was the best robe that father had that was bestowed, that was put on the young man. So he's got rid of his beard, his long hair. He's had a shower or a bath, whatever, way, whatever, whatever you want to call it. And he's clean, he smells good now. So he looks good, he looks different. And when people get saved, they look different. And in many cases, they smell different because they're off the old tobacco. They're off the booze. They don't have to take uh, any perfume about them to distinguish the smell of the booze from the deodorant. He's changed now. He looks different. He smells different. He's got a good appetite now and he's well fed. He's got the, the best robe on. He's got uh, a ring in his, uh, his finger. Uh, he's restored to be the heir of the father. The father calf has brought, he's brought in, you see. He's back into fellowship with the father. He's back into home. Oh, I'm sure there was a time he thought, I'll never be back there. Who knows? Maybe that's what you thought. And the Lord in mercy seeking today to bring you back in saying come come for a lamb has been slaughtered sacrifice has been made blood has been shed a purchase has been made and all your iniquities and all your sins and transgressions have been dealt with through the blood of Christ come and sit down at this gospel feast eat drink and be merry and rejoice in Jesus Christ. The Lord saves his people. And then the Lord satisfies his people. He satisfies them through Christ. That's how the prodigal was brought in. To the fellowship with his father. He's changed. Everything about him has changed. Glory be to God. And that's the change that he makes. When a man or a woman a young person returns to him and seeks him for his mercy, for his grace. We'll close this little part now with a word of prayer. We'll sing a hymn. And those who cannot remain for the communion or must uh, needs go, feel free to do so as we sing.